It's pretty simple. Because the study of a hadith, it is not according to what we read from it individually. As the study of Quran Karim is not what we read from it individually. We understand the Quran through how the Sahabis and the Prophet understands the Quran Kirim. If you go beyond that, even if it's a literal meaning of the Quran, it is wrong. Okay? Accept it. Like Quran Kirim, literally it's saying pray three times in a day. Three times. Quran is saying literally three times. It's not five times. That is according to our eyes that we read literally. According to the Prophet that the Qur'an came to it, it means five times. Now when you look at the ayat again through the eyes of the Prophet, you understand that it means five times. Three times during the day, two times at night. It's talking about those three different parts of the day. It's not three times that you're praying. The same thing with the hadith. The hadith now, it is Hadith is words of the Prophet. Who best understands the words of the Prophet? The Sahabis. What they do, what they understand is what we follow. Once we say no, we understand only from our eyes reading what the Hadith is saying and not what the, prophet, uh, the companions they did, then we're out of Ahli Sunnah and we're out of Islam. Okay? Now that hadith, for example, it's saying that the whole world is a masjid except for four places and the bathroom, meaning the bathroom, and the grave. During the time of the Prophet the Prophet himself visited graves and the Sahabi Kiram built tombs over the Prophet's grave, over other Sahabi's grave. And they spent days and nights in worship in those places too. That continued from the Sahabis to the Tabi'ins to the Tabi Tabi'ins. If we look at the periods of the Salaf. That is in contradiction to the literal meaning of the hadith. That means now, the meaning of the hadith, it is not literal. If you look according to your eyes and it says, oh, it's literal, then it's right according to you, but it's not right according to the companions. Who knows the Prophet better? Also the companions, companions. Would they make such a glaring mistake like that? They would not. Never they're going to make it. Because it's open. If we idiots of Ahir Zaman can figure it out, why didn't they figure it out for 1,500 years? 
So the meaning of that, there are places where prayer it is forbidden. The graves, for example. The prayer, it is forbidden. It literally means grave. The grave. Why is prayer forbidden in the grave? Because you're dead. You cannot pray in the grave. The meaning of that is, when you are dead and the person is buried, the person cannot pray in the grave. He cannot perform namaz in the grave. Different kinds of things that you worship, for example, zikr that you're going to make, that you make salatul, uh, let's say, uh, janazah by the grave, that is also permitted, that is also worship, no? But it is forbidden to pray in the bathrooms because it is dirty. The grave itself, it is forbidden to pray because the person who is dead, you yourself, if you're buried there, you're dead, you cannot perform the grave, I mean, the prayers. That time is already done for you, it is forbidden. It doesn't mean literally that you cannot do it. Can you dig a grave and you perform prayers in the grave? If according to that hadith, you cannot, no? It says you cannot dig a grave because you cannot perform in a grave. But the granddaughter of the Prophet Sayyidatul Nafisa did exactly that. She went to Egypt because people were coming so much to her. She says, I need to worship. She went to Egypt and more people came to her. Then she decided to dig her own grave, which she did with her own hands. And she spent years in that small grave worshipping. Isn't this in contradiction to the Hadith, literally? So it is not the words of the Hadith, it is the meaning of the Hadith now. That's why we need to be careful looking at these things. So there are places where it is forbidden for us to pray. And there are places where it has been made forbidden because we are not in that condition when you are in your grave to pray. Yet, even then, this is when you get into the nitty-gritty of things. Huh? This is not part of your, uh, let's say, these are the branches and less than branches of your faith that you're going into. Yet at the same time, when the Holy Prophet was going to the Mi'raj, what did he see? He saw Hazrat Musa worshipping in his grave. Hazrat Musa was he worshipping in his grave spiritually? No, because the saints, the martyrs and the prophets, they are fresh and alive in their grave, literally. And the Prophet says, I saw him worshipping in his grave. So again, we call into question that hadith now. Can it be contradicting? This is why it's very dangerous as I believe uh, Imam Malik is saying, nothing will bring you closer to shirk, closer to uh, unfaith than studying the hadith. If you study hadith, it will, it will take you out of your faith. 
the way that he's meaning, these are people who make kiyas. Okay? It's saying that if you study these things, so many contradictory things happening, without a guide, you'll be so confused and you, you reject everything then. So, Prophet saw Hazrat Musa worshipping in his grave. So now, the meaning of worshipping in your grave now has a different meaning. Namaz is different. Namaz of your, uh, your salah, meaning your five prayers, is different. Your namaz, when you make nafila um, ibadat, it is different. Worship, that you're making a zikr or you're making dua, is different. So now it is very complex, the whole situation there, about worshipping in the grave. You understand? For me, I'm looking. If these people have been understanding and living their Islam longer than I have, they know better. And even if my understanding of it is in contradiction to that, I'm going to leave my understanding aside and follow them. This is the way of Ahli Sunnah. When it's necessary, something will happen to you to make you to understand. This is not a question of don't ask questions, leave it aside. No, all these questions have already been raised. They've already been answered and people have moved on. They've cut us off from that kind of knowledge and they've literally cut off the necks of the people who know this knowledge so that now you cannot even go back to ask these questions. No one can give you a satisfactory, satisfactory answer and you think that there is no answer. People are just fooling around with it. So it is necessary now when I see things like that and I say, okay, they are doing it. Who is doing this? Sahabi Kiram, Tabi'in, Tabi'in, Tabi'in. 1,000 years, they're doing this. But it looks as if it is against this ayat or against this. There's something is wrong with my understanding of that ayat, my understanding of that hadith. I try to seek uh, answers from there. Once upon a time, this woman went to a Sharia court. And she asked for some help from the judge. And the judge says, I can give you the judgment according to the Quran, or I can give you the judgment according to Imam Shafi. She says, please give me the judgment according to Imam Shafi, because I don't trust your understanding of the Quran. You understand? Tama, finish. This is what we are doing. Do we understand our... Uh, do we trust our understanding of what the Quran or the Hadith is or anything about the Islam in these days? We hold on to the firm handhold, inshallah, to make us to understand. Sometimes you may not find a satisfactory answer. It's okay. Leave it. Like I said, this is a branches of a branches kind of thing. This is not part of your fundamental faith. You cannot find satisfactory answer. Leave it. It doesn't mean everything is wrong. It means that the question hasn't come, the answer hasn't come to you yet. Be patient a little bit. 
Not every question that we have should have an answer right away, 100%. Especially in this way now, they may be testing you. They may even give you the wrong answer to see whether you are intelligent and understanding enough and patient enough to wait. So, that is how it is. Understand? In the uh, prayer by the grave. Yes. At the same time, these, these are the things, especially when it concerns the grave. This is a very, very big thing. It, it's, it's a, no, a non-issue for over 1400 years, but it's a very big issue in the days of Wahhabism. Anything connected to the grave is shirk. Anything connected to the grave is immediate. It's a, it's a hot, hot button topic. Shirk. You understand? Prophet forbid you going to the grave. Yes, there was a time Prophet forbid them to go to the grave. And then he said, now go to the grave. Finish. So what? Prophet can say one day is okay, one day is not okay, one day is not okay, one day is okay. He has his reasons. Did he go to the grave? So many times. What he went to the grave? He went there to speak. To his, he used to go to the graves of his parents. And he used to sit there and he used to cry. Missing his mother, missing his father. Huh? You think Prophet is going to do that to a dust, to a dead bones? He used to sit uh, at the grave of his uncle, Hazati Hamza. And if every word and every gesture of the Prophet is a prayer, he was praying. He was speaking. He was, what do you think he was? Just asking him, how are you doing? How are you? Always asking Allah, bless him, bless him, bless him. I miss him, I love him, bless him. So anything concerning with the grave in these days, they say, oh, it is a shirk. It is not. Okay? And the grave now, you see, you have to understand, the grave of a person who is a munafiq is different. The grave of a kafir is different. The grave of a holy one is not a grave anymore. It becomes a what? It becomes a garden of paradise. It becomes a part of paradise. It's not a grave anymore. It's not a place where a dead body is. I don't want to go to a place where there's a rotting dead body. That place, it is forbidden. I don't want to go there. I want to go to a place where it becomes a part of paradise. This is what Allah is saying. This is what the Prophet is saying. And when they were moving the graves of the Sahabis, right up to the 1960s, in so many parts of the Middle East, they dig up and they found the whole intact body of the Sahabi. Nice smell coming from them. They look fresh. Not only Sahabis, not only saints. They find bodies of common people like you and me, that they... These people, they live clean lives, easy life. They didn't worship so much. They don't know so much. They didn't do so much, but they were nice, sincere people. They dig them up 10 years, 20 years later, and their body is intact, completely intact. And people didn't even consider them to be saints or anything, but because they are good, holy ones, Allah loves them. Those ones I want to be. That's not a grave anymore. There's a garden of paradise. That becomes Jannat. Yeah. So, uh, same time, 
this is not, like I said, this is not something that we, as people of Ahli Sunnah, Ahli Tasawuf, we're pushing to say, no, 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 the best place to go, go to the graves and pray over there. We're not saying that also. There has to be a fair, fine balance. Uh, but because especially in these days, right, sometimes Astaghfirullah, I'm looking at the Wahhabis also, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Because the Ali Sunnah, they have deviated so much also. I don't blame them. Look to see in North Africa what they do in the graves. Look to see in India what they do to the graves. What do they over the, do over there? Do they worship over there to be closer to Allah? And to, no, they do that. They go there to work with black magic so many times. Correct or no? Correct or no? That's why I don't blame them also. That's why when Ahmad Farooq Isir Hindi, our Grand Sheikh, Imam Rabbani, the Grand Sheikh of the Naqshbandi, ordered that Allah sent him there to India to clean up the Muslims there. They were Muslims, 1,000 years they were Muslims, they were carrying tariqat, but they've deviated, they mix up with so many things, they mix up Hinduism, Bogism, Yogism, everything they mix up, saying this is Tasawuf. And he came and he banned everything. Everything he banned. His tariqat is not Wahhabi, although now they're saying he's Wahhabi. But his tariqat, can you imagine? He banned everything. He banned India, all of India from singing Kawali. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? You cannot. It's terrible, right? To imagine. No kawali. Impossible. No kawali, no dancing, no nothing. Because it's too much. It's too much. They make deviation there. And this is human nature. It's too much. Same thing in China. When they try mixing it up, become interfaith, it's too much. Same thing in Iran. Same thing anywhere else. It's too much. They start to mix it. Same thing in Spain. Ibn Arabi was there in that land. Islam was there ruling for 800 years. But when they deviate, Allah sends big smack to the Muslims, always. It's okay. So yeah, they go to graves and they do that. But that doesn't mean now that it is wrong to visit. The use is wrong. There's one famous debate that I, uh, I read somewhere. It was between one Ahli Sunnah Imam and Ibn Taymiyyah. And they're talking about the issue of the grave, saying that yes, but then people abuse it. And it's like, yeah, but you use an example that I shouldn't be speaking openly like this, but it says you shouldn't blame the abuse of something to say that, that something is evil then what's going to happen to everyone, I going to say. So, inshallah, uh, we try to understand these things a little bit. We have Makam also upstate. Imagine how the Wahhabis would look at that. There's not even any physical body there. <laughs> Did anybody die? Yeah. Are they buried here? No. And there's a Makam? Yeah. <laughs> and you go there to visit? Yeah. And you pray inside? Yeah. <laughs> they go crazy. <laughs> it's okay. 
in Shafani's house. One day I'm going to put it there also. It used to be when Shafani was there. They even had an icon of Hazrat Maryam there. <laughs> Did you know? You ever saw it? You don't know. Did anybody else here know? Yeah, a picture. It's okay. Nah, the, with the shakes, everything is a sign, it's not the thing, you understand? When it's not the thing, sometimes it's okay. They're not hooked on it, you're not saying you have to put icons everywhere, no. A little bit here and there, so what? For a reason there too. Imagine. Shailani, <laughs> yeah. he went to India, he entered into those cabs, and there was a Hindu cab driver, and he put that elephant thing. You know, elephant with a thing, elephant with a trunk. And then Chef Andy was wearing a flower they put him because he came through the uh, airport. Came in. You see, the saints, most important is they grab your heart. Because the heart is the throne of Allah. And it is their job now, they steal hearts to replace the idol inside the heart with Allah. But first, they have to put themselves there a little bit. So Shaivani got into the cave, uh, the cave, into the cab. Some of the Sabi, I think you were there, Masood. Uh, he came in, the Hindu cab driver looked at him, Shaivani wearing big white turban, Shaivani and saw that. And the chef, need this, like this. <laughs> and he took off his towel, he put it over there. Oh, the cab driver, no. <laughs> so friendly to him, love him. You understand? Wahhabi, oh, forget about Wahhabi. Shahid Bai. <laughs> you see? <laughs> Correct. But the saints have a different logic. They know how to, <laughs> how to steal the heart. That is the most important thing. Everything else is just shadow play. Hmm? So, he did that. This is completely different from those ones, let's say, who they are unbalanced. Like for example, I know in Albania, oh, Albanians, yeah. the Muslims, they go to Christian saints' tombs and they ask for help. Now, that's completely different. It's not like that, right? So, I have to balance it a little bit. All 